0: Welcome to Women Worth Knowing, the new title for the podcast hosted by Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. Women Worth Knowing is not affiliated, associated, authorized, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with the website Women You Should Know. We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women You Should Know. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend.
1: I'm Cheryl Broderson, and I'm in studio with... Jasmine Allnut. <laughs> you said that so gently. I well, well, I get a little crazy. You know, it's the coffee. <laughs> it is. We're in studio with Women You Should Know. <laughs> yes. And we want. To, I want to introduce you to... I'm going to introduce you to Mrs. Charles Kalman, mm-hmm. also known as Letty Bird Kalman. So, Jasmine, what's one of your favorite devotionals in the whole world? Well, yes, of course, Cheryl. It's Streams in the Desert. Streams <laughs> in the Desert. Uh, and Streams in the Desert is the best-selling devotional of all time. Really? It sold millions upon millions More of copies. More than Oswald Chambers. That's amazing. Yep. And it has just helped. It's been translated into, I can't remember how many languages. It's over mm-hmm. 500 languages. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. and it's a worldwide. And I want to get to that in just a minute, but I want to talk about Mrs. Charles Kalman or mm-hmm. Letty Kalman, who wrote, um, actually compiled Streams in the oh, Desert. Yes. So there's so much that people don't know about her. Uh, mm-hmm. She was born in Afton, Iowa, to an affluent home. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, her parents had, you could almost call it like a bed and breakfast um, on, on the roadside as people were traveling. Nice. <laughs> and Charles Kalman's family um were traveling and they stopped off at the Kalman's house and spent the night when Letty was two months old and Charles was two years old. Isn't that crazy? Wow. But
2: that is, wow, they didn't
1: remember meeting each other later. Uh, everything was put right, together right. and they realized that happened. In the meantime, <laughs> I love it. Charles Kalman started studying to be a telegraph operator when he was about 15 and he was so good at it that he quit school and began to study um, that and kept um, being advanced. He wow. was so amazing as a telegraph operator. By the time he was 18 years old, he was he was. Um, training other telegraph operators i'm gonna go get her right <laughs> but when he was 15 he was uh transferred to afton iowa again back to this mm. place and letty Kalman's mother saw him and saw that he was all alone and so she invited him over to dinner and letty was 13 years old and charles was 15 and it was love I,
2: this is like uh, granny
1: brand a, it was yeah <laughs> but <laughs> so bring people she's she's just she's falling in love with him But she's only 13 years old and she's studying music, piano, dancing and French because she comes from, again, a very affluent family. And that's what girls, young women did in those days. And she loves opera and she sings and (laughs) you just loves that. She also is very attracted to Charles. So when she's 13, (laughs) she stops off at the railway station where Charles was working Mm. every day and on her way home from school. And then he would walk her home and they just had this deep, deep friendship. Mm. which turned into love. And he got transferred to Colorado, but he got a promise from her that she would wait for him. Aww. And so he's in Colorado and they're writing back and forth. And when she's 18, this young man of affluence comes into her life and he's everything her parents want. He's wealthy. Oh, he comes from a really good family, but she confesses to her parents. I promised my heart to Charles and I never go back on a promise. This is kind of like my parents. It's yeah. kind of scary. We'll tell that to- story later. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, so Charles comes back in the picture and goes to the uh, parents. And even though he's none of their social stratification, mm. they agree to it because he's making so much money. He's mm. now just so successful as a telegraph operator. Wow. So he's 21. She's 19. They get married and he gets this uh, prestigious transfer to Colorado. But while he's serving in Colorado, um, they were there for four or five years. Letty can't take the altitude, and she gets deathly ill. And Mm. the doctor comes, and she barely has a pulse. Well, Charles remembers going to church when he's young, so he cries out to the Lord. And he says, if you'll save my precious wife, I will serve you. I will Mm. serve you with everything I have. She recovers, and he gets transferred to Chicago. And Charles forgets all about his vow to the Lord.
2: Now, they were believers and or are no, they not 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 nope. really at this point nope. okay in fact I'll, I'll, I'll read you a quote by letty mm. in just a
1: second but um they uh they're raised in christian homes i i think most in those days like americans were churchgoers sure they're churchy and so yeah. but they weren't like church like uh regular attenders it mm-hmm. was just you know holidays mm-hmm. for and for special, special occasions and, yep. and we and people would become members of church not necessarily attending but right. they were members so they felt like well, I've got that covered. Yep, totally. I don't have to go, but I've got that covered. Totally. Anyway, he's transferred to Chicago, and her health improves, but he forgets all about his prayer. Mm. So Letty loves music, and they go to the opera regularly, and they see musicals. Uh, she and Charles. This is their social life, and she hears her neighbor tells her that there's an opera singer who will be singing at a church for Christmas and giving her testimony, and she invites. Letty Kowman to go. Mm. So Letty goes, and she hears this opera singer, and she hears her testimony, and she's just so taken with it. She's like, wow. "This is incredible!" And she said her heart like was pumping a thousand miles per, per hour, but she didn't go for it. So hmm. the next night she goes back because this opera singer is doing it more than one night, and an, at the altar call, there's an altar call, and the woman next to her, her uh, seated seat next to her, asks her, "Are you serving the Lord?" And Letty looks at her and says, "No, I am serving the world and myself." Wow. And the lady says, "Well, don't you want to give yourself to Jesus and serve Him?" And Letty says, "Yes, but I don't know how." <laughs> and so the woman says, "Take my hand, and I'll take you up to the front." And the woman goes with Letty, having never met Letty Calman before, wow. goes up to the front with her, and Letty um, gets on her knees and prays to receive Jesus. So Mm. she goes home and she's like, Charles, I've just met Jesus. Uh, I've given my life to him. You need to meet Jesus, too. Mm. Charles mocks her. Wow. He mocks her. And then he says to her, you can't be a Christian and work with the men in my office. Now, this is Charles who prayed and told the Lord if he saved Letty, he would give his life to him. And now he's like, no. And he's mocking her and say, no, I can't be a Christian and be a telegraph operator. Hmm. But Christmas Day, which was just a few days later, her commitment to Jesus was so strong that he got her a beautiful blue Bible, leather Bible, and and in it were tickets to the opera. And she said to him, I can't go to the opera anymore. I've got to serve Jesus. I, I just don't wow. feel right about that. So Charles is a little bit miffed. So he goes to the opera by himself and it's not really very, yes, and it's not <laughs> a good performance. It's like the worst performance he's ever seen. And he's getting so convicted, even while he's at the opera. Mm. And so he leaves halfway through it. And as he's walking home, he feels the spirit of the Lord convicting him. So um, he says to her, I want to go to church with you Sunday night. Mm. So he goes to church, but he refuses to go forward. He's like, no, I'm going to show her that. Mm -mm." But by the time he gets home, he's so under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that he says to her, Letty, I want to receive Jesus. So she kneels with him. And it's only like a month after she gets converted. She kneels with him and they both give their lives to the Lord. And immediately they are so enthusiastic about the Lord. I mean, they're reading their Bibles. They're going to church as much as they can. And Charles wants to share Jesus with everybody. So he Mm -hmm. prays. And the first person at work that he shares Jesus with is this new young clerk named Ernest Kilborn, And he just Mm. lays out the whole gospel to him that day. First person he ever shares Jesus with. And... Ernest is just like absolutely quiet, like almost stunned, you know, like a deer in the headlights, like, oh, yeah. OK, thank you very much. You know, never heard anything like this before. <laughs> so Charles goes home and Letty's like, how was it? I prayed for you. And he's like, I'm not quite sure. I think I scared this young man. So the next day he goes to work and Ernest said, I thought about everything you said. And last night I gave my life to Jesus. Oh, wow. So they start um, they start like this little kind of um, organization of for lack of a better term, operators you know, telegraph operators for Jesus kind of oh, thing. Oh, I love it. <laughs> now they have Bible studies once a month and all these telegraph workers get saved. Mm. And the whole demeanor of the office changes. And Charles is only like 22 or 23 years old mm. and he's saved and all these people are coming to the Lord. I mean, it's like absolutely mm. amazing. So they, um, he starts an outreach to telegraph and he just starts witnessing and he loves to uh, witness So um, they're sent to a conference. They go to this conference together, this Christian conference, and they talk about tithing. And he's never even heard about tithing before. And he's like, oops, I'm supposed to be given one-tenth. And so he's like, from now on, I'm giving at least one-tenth to the Lord mm. for everything that the Lord wants. And that becomes one of his things is, you know, you, you need to give to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then they come back and they go to another conference. And this is at Moody Bible Conference. Hey. And A.B. Simpson is the speaker. Oh, that must have been cool. And he talks about this missionary who uh, family who's going to Africa and don't have any money. So mm. Charles takes his whole week salary out of his pocket and puts it in the plate for these missionaries. Wow. And uh, then the plate comes around again and he takes off his watch and he puts it in. <laughs> and he just wants to give as much as he can uh to Jesus. Boy, talk about God loves a cheerful giver. I mean, man, he was <laughs> right? so excited. And then in the meantime, Letty is just feeling the sanctification of the Lord. She's feeling to give Lord more and more. Like she's mm. she used to love to read romantic novels and fiction and everything. She's like, no, I just want to read the Bible and about mm about Christian stories, and and I want to read good literature. Mm-hmm. In fact, she's part of the Christian liter- uh, literature Christian crusade. crusade. Oh, that no, was no. started by Letty Kalman, because she wanted to get good books, uh, Christian books to people. But anyway, mm-hmm. so they begin to feel called to the mission field. So Charles, now remember, he's uneducated. He hasn't, his education doesn't go past 15. Oh, right, so guess right, where right. he goes to school? Moody. Moody Bible yes. Institute. Right. <laughs> so because he's working, he has to work. Um, still, it takes them six years. Mm. Um, but on a—and so they start going to Moody Bible Church, and one Sunday they're there, and they meet this Reverend um, Juji Nakata. And he's a Christian from Japan, and he's mm. come because he heard of D.L. Moody, and he wants oh, to yeah. go to uh, Moody uh, Bible Church. Mm. And it, at that moment, Charles Kalman knows that the, he's the Lord is calling him to Japan, so he's really excited. Mm. So— um letty is teaching music she loves hymns and songs to the lord and um she starts getting up every morning at 5 20 for prayer and just studying um the bible but they decide to start preparing for the mission field
2: go ahead and I, no and i love that the fact that you know again sometimes we're like oh i have to be called to this i have to be and it's like The Lord will put that call into your life. Look at these guys; they were just pursuing Jesus, and the Lord brought Japan into their life. That's right. And then, so they decided
1: they decided together. Now they're very rich; they have a really nice Mm. house. They decide that they have to start jettisoning everything that they have. (laughs) So they start selling their furniture. Um, They sell their house, and they give their last paycheck to missionaries. Mm. And they apply to a um, to a mission society, a mission board, and they get accepted. He will teach English. And she will teach music and there'll be just this dynamic missionary couple. And, you know, this the mission station will support them. And they're Mm -hmm. like, great. And so all of a sudden, you know, Charles is like, this is so great. But he reads, I believe it's um, Matthew chapter um, 19 or 20, where Jesus sends the workers into the field Mm -hmm. and the Lord speaks to him and says, no. You're not to be with the missionary board. I want you to go without a missions board and trust me completely. So he refuses the mission board, which was going to send him to India, (laughs) and he feels called to Japan. So Mm. um, So they sell everything and all the money that they have, his last paycheck, they distribute it to all these churches and Christian causes and missionaries. So the church takes up an offering for them and they get 25 cents. That's all that comes back. Oh my this, goodness. This offering that was taken. And Remember, he gave his whole a uh, week's salary totally and they get 25 cents. Boy. And he looks at Letty and he thinks of a quote that was said by Hudson Taylor and he looks at Letty and he says, "Look, Letty, 25 cents and all the promises of God." Yes. So the next week someone gives him a check for $300. It's exactly mm-hmm. the amount of the passage to go to Japan. Mm-hmm. Somebody else gives him a check for $240 and says, "This is for rent." So they arrive in Japan, and they're met by Pastor Nakata and his whole family. And they go shopping for a building for um, the Kalmans to live in. But uh, Charles Kalman goes over there with a vision. They're going to start a Bible college, and they're going to train people how to teach the Word of God, and they're going to have these evangelistic services. Mm. Um, They go to this building. And they begin to negotiate. It's everything they need. Downstairs is a room where they can have meetings. Mm. Upstairs there are living quarters and a place where they can do the training. Wow. Guess how much it is?
2: $240.
1: $240 for the year. For the, for year. the year. They negotiate it wow. for the year. They no sooner sign the contract than a man rides up in a rickshaw and wants to offer almost twice as much for the building. But it had already been signed in the contract. Whoa. So they start. And they start these evangelistic meetings and people come in by the droves. Everyone said, no, Japan won't be saved. Mm -hmm. But this is 1901, 1902. People are coming in by the droves. And so Charles goes up to this young man who's in, Charles doesn't speak Japanese yet, you know, very, very slight. Mm -hmm. And he talks to this young man who happens to speak English. And this man has come in because he's seeking the Lord. And guess what he is? He's a telegraph operator. Oh, my goodness. And he lives in Japan. So the first person that Charles gets to lead to the Lord is a telegraph operator. So then he gets them in touch with all the telegraph operators in America that are Christians. And it just, it's incredible. So much confirmation of the call. And he starts something that's called the Oriental Missions Society. Mm. They outgrew their building because they had so many students. Um, At one point, the Lord speaks to Charles to um, rent this hall in Tokyo. And they need the money. And they don't have it. Check comes from the United States, from somebody they don't even know, to pay for the hall. They open the doors, and within the first 20 minutes, 1,500 people have come in and sat down already for this evangelistic meeting. Wow. I mean, it was like um, so wow. incredibly successful. Harvest is plentiful. Right. My goodness. And they said there were two things that you should never go in the mission field without, and one was a realization of how strong the devil was, and that's mm-hmm. your in- only enemy. That's your only enemy is the devil, you know, mm. and he's the one who operates the flesh and the pride— so, yeah, that and secondly, with the Holy Spirit, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit hmm. and things are just like uh, going crazy. So hmm. he's working so hard. He's training. He's teaching. He's evangelizing. He's traveling because now they're started mission schools in Korea and China and other places in um, Japan. Letty is hmm. teaching music. She's discipling women, teaching women. And Charles comes to her and says, Letty, the Lord spoke to me that we've got to get A copy of the gospel of matthew into every house in Mm -hmm. japan and they realized that the endeavor would cost a hundred thousand dollars and they don't know how they're going to do it but would you believe it Uh, oh he said it's going to take a hundred thousand dollars it's going to require a hundred men god gave him the whole vision Mm. and five years but did you know they did it within that time they provided every person in japan every single household and they began that campaign with $37, and God provided oh, all the money. Goodness.
2: And within five years. That is amazing to have that kind of vision. You know, Hudson Taylor actually wanted to evangelize all of China. China's a lot bigger, but just, you know, and even though, you know, it didn't quite happen, but a to have that written, kind of vision. A written trap. Amazing.
1: Every household in Japan, you yeah. uh, consider this is before World War II. I mean, this yeah. is crazy that every household got a copy of the gospel. It's So amazing. the Kalmans are traveling. But Charles is, you know, um, he's now 52. Letty is 50 or 49 and he's 51. And they've been working really hard. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, he starts having really bad chest pains. Mm. And they find out that he's got uh, heart issues and he has to go back to the States. Mm -hmm. So they've been 20 years in Japan. They go back to the States, they move to Los Angeles, and they have no money because they're giving all their money (laughs) to um, the mission. Of course. Um, And the mission is taken over by, get this, Ernest. Kilborn, the very first person that he led to Christ, takes over the mission in Japan. And Charles continues for a time to speak and raise awareness and funds and starts training, um, starts a training college in LA for missionaries. And Letty starts writing um, articles for um, their newsletter. Yeah, okay. So the missionary newsletter goes to all their missionaries in Japan, all the, you know, Korea and China, but it also goes to the supporters in the United States. So Mm -hmm. she writes this little column and she likes to collect, um, you know, for someone else's sermon or something that she hears or reads. Yeah, Yeah, she'll put that in this little column. Well, Charles, heart attacks get worse and he's having heart attacks like every day, these chest pains. So he becomes bedridden. And she is, I mean, he's the love of her life, and she's always been kind of the demure and the one who's held back in the relationship, and Mm -hmm. she doesn't know how she's going to do life without Charles. Mm -hmm. He is the go-getter. He's like the everything. Visionary, everything. Right. So she begins to search articles, periodicals, reading um, sermons, Mm -hmm. uh, just for her own strength. She adds this to her devotions, and she begins to put them in her little articles, and she reads them out loud to Charles. And somebody suggests that she puts them, she compiles them all together, and she does. And she takes it to a publisher, and they published the devotional "Streams in the Desert." And mm-hmm. it was because all of those things meant so much to her; she yeah. wanted to share them so they could mean things to others. And it was birthed out of suffering. It was birthed, birthed out, out
2: of, of like man, the, the suffering. depths of mm-hmm. yeah,
1: exactly. Walking through that, right. So um, at the same time, she also writes um, other ones that things that we don't have yeah. uh, count it all joy. Is a mm. devotional she wrote. Praise changes things. Mm. Thoughts for the Quiet Hour. She wrote these all like Charles was suffering. And are any of these in print still or would that be? Nope. None of them are in print. Um, But Charles dies on September 25th, 1924. Mm -hmm. Streams in the Desert is first published in 1925. Wow. So anyway, right after this, um, she takes time and she writes um, Charles Kalman, Missionary Warrior. Mm -hmm. Now, she still doesn't have any money. All her money is coming from support. And she takes all the money that comes in for streams in the desert, and um, it goes to the um, Oriental Missions Society. All of it goes to OMS, and she sends it to all the missionaries. But mm-hmm. then she decides, well, let's do some of it for—under uh, let's under OMS, let's also do something in the Christian Literature Crusade, like I was talking yep, about, yep. and start getting good books to um, mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And so um, about this time, um, she also compiles Springs in the Valley— in 1928, Ernest Kilborn dies. And so Letty has to take over OMS. Hmm. And at the same time, Streams in the Desert goes worldwide, and the yep. success is unprecedented. Now, she's sick herself. She's always had, like, you know, remember Colorado, health yep, her health yep. issue, but she's called to minister. So she starts going all over. And in 1931 to 1933, she goes to the South Pacific. This is right before World War II, and she's traveling all over China and Japan and sharing at conferences, praying with many, evangelizing, and the Lord is blessing every place um, that she goes. Now, a doctor examines her in 1936 and tells her, you're too sick. You can't go anywhere anymore. Yet, in 1936, she's like, nope, I've got to go back on the mission field, and she prays confirmation and this couple says oh we're going to Wells. and she's like i'm going with you so this is 1936 world war ii 1939 so she gets on this boat and she sails for Wells. but the boat is like um there's this huge storm and even the people on the boat the crew think that the boat's going to sink and she's so calm because the lord told her no I've You're got going. a lot of work for you. So she's not scared. So the crew and passengers all resort to her and she begins to evangelize and speak to them. And uh, She leads the cook who's from Estonia to the Lord. And he <laughs> says to her, please take the gospel to my people. So mm. she lands in Wales. She's there. Then she starts a evangelistic campaign in Finland and then taking the gospel to Lapland This is right before World War II. And Mm
2: -hmm. isn't this amazing too that, you know, he was the one that was the go-getter and the Lord took him home, but here she is, even in her frailty and weakness, and the Lord. And nobody knows this about her.
1: Nobody nobody. (laughs) knows this about that. She's just so amazing. Yeah. So this huge revival, um, led by Letty Kalman, breaks out in Finland. And then because (laughs) she she told him she travels to Estonia and another revival breaks out on the Russian border. So this woman uh, who's Russian, she gets saved. She buys a house right on the border. She's very wealthy mm. so that they can have Bible studies in that house. And she starts, uh, she's the leader of this The movement. Russian woman. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so um, then she's asked to do a crusade in Latvia, Poland, Romania, Czechoslovakia. Again, remember, this is all right before World War II. In fact, it's like 1940, 1941, um, that the, the Lord yeah, is touching. It's like yeah. these places are getting the chance to come to Jesus right before World War II Man. and to have the gospel. So she goes to London and then Scotland. And again, she's being asked to speak at all these places. She's 66 years old. <laughs> she goes for a doctor's appointment. And the doctor says, you're going to live another 30 years. You are so healthy. Wow. And How she's wild. like shocked, right? What? So she hears that Luxembourg will not allow the preaching of the gospel or Bibles. So she Luxembourg. she starts this whole campaign to smuggle Bibles into Luxembourg. So then, uh, by this time, World War II has started. Mm-hmm. And she hears about this governess to the king of Egypt. And uh, this governess says, look, I think he's open to the gospel. Can you come down and share the gospel with him? So Letty goes to Israel and then makes her way to Egypt and she gets uh three leather-bound bibles really beautiful and she presents them to the king of Egypt and <laughs> prays over him. Later she goes back to London. This is during World War II. Okay. And there is the deposed emperor of Abyssinia who's in exile in mm. England. It's Ethiopia area. Abyssinia, yeah. And so she comes uh, so she's like, "Lord, I don't have anything to wear. He's a dignitary. He lives in this mansion and all of his servants and everything are there." So she prays, and she gets a check in the mail for 10 pounds, and it's enough to buy a beautiful outfit and go presentably into this house. And she goes to the mansion, and he asks her to share the gospel with the whole staff. And first she prophesies, and she said, you will go back to Absinia. You will be—this war will be over. Uh, Italy had invaded by that time into Africa. Wow, yeah. And she says, they will pull back. You will be reinstated, and you're to bring the gospel to your country. That's a bold— She says it. That's exactly what happens years later. But the Lord just put it on her heart. She shared it. She she evangelizes. All the servants are allowed to come in, and she just does this full-on gospel presentation and evangelizes. And he shows her that he has been working for his people to translate the Bible into the Ethiopian language. And not only that, he asks her permission. Can we translate streams in the desert into the language? And she says, absolutely.
2: Wow, and I, you know what? This is just so amazing because you think I, I know the crusade that they had done to bring the gospel into Japan. It was called like the Every Creature Crusade. Yes, and yet here she is. I mean, they probably had no idea that Every Creature meant she was going to go all over the world. No. I mean, no. God that's had right. a bigger vision. That's what vision. it was called, Every Creature.
1: That's what the a uh, hundred thousand. That's what they called the Bible uh, tracts. It was Every Creature. Oh, I'm so it. glad you brought that up. <laughs> but anyway, so she gives him permission to translate it. She comes back um she goes back to wales she goes to cuba she goes to haiti she gets a letter from the queen mother this is um queen mary okay Mm -hmm. queen mary uh who the queen mary is is named after Ah, yes yeah thanking her for streams in the desert so think about it a copy of streams of the desert was in buckingham palace isn't that incredible like (laughs) all the places it it went Mm. um and uh she she comes back from europe she starts a conference in mexico and she starts working the every creature, yeah, to get the gospel. So they were able to get 800,000 um gospel tracts in Spanish to mm. families all over Mexico. And one of the men working with her was the first martyr killed in Mexico, huh. um, in Cinco Sorodes, uh, near Octapan. Um, he stabbed mm. to death while preaching and distributing the gospels. I'm sorry, they they. They won at 800,000. They got 1,400,000 Gospels oh, wow. were given out. In 1943, you'll love this. She goes to Colombia. Hey. Medellin. <laughs> Med- Med- Medellin. Medellin. Yes, Medellin. <laughs> um, she directs the operations worldwide from the OMS offices in Los Angeles. But in 1950, and she's 80 years old now, she mm. she writes mountain trailways for youth, but she thinks she needs to retire <laughs>
2: <laughs> just to
1: step well, back maybe. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and so she spends the last 10 years of her life having people visit her mm. and praying with them, especially um, the young people. Mm. And she lives on $100 a month. She refuses to take any of the um, money coming in from streams in the desert or her writings. Wow, she just puts it back into missions? All or, of it goes yeah. back into missions and wow. into mission endeavors. In 1957, she takes to bed and begins to give all that she has away. She knows she's going to die. She's hoping to die sooner but she begins just to give everything everything she owned she gives it away so she has nothing left and Mm -hmm. she
2: dies in 1960 at 90 years old wow isn't that what wow that's you know what that kind of goes with In a way, what we shared about in our last episode with the stamps, that open hand. Open hand. Oh, my goodness. To just say, whatever comes into my hands, I'm giving it back to the Lord. But you know,
1: what's really interesting is for a
2: time she thinks her ministry and her life might be over after Charles dies, yeah, because he
1: was her life. And the visionary. But but it was actually because she
2: was studying
1: and reading. I mean, it was the things that are compiled in streams in the desert, Hmm. the very words that God spoke to her that gave her strength and said, No. Your mission mm. is not over. Mm. You know you have places to go and people to see, and they said wow. that she was so filled with joy and so kind that every place she went, everybody fell in love with her. She was just so sweet and so generous, and she cared nothing for money. Money had like no value That's to her.
2: Just amazing. You That's know beautiful. she she yeah. didn't
1: need it. God provided all her needs according to His riches and glory. Mm. But you know I love streams in the desert. I yes. love 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 it absolutely. But after reading.
2: Her story, I mm. loved it an, even It makes more. it, yeah, it brings it to life so much more. Are there are there any other of her writings that are still, I think Springs in the Valley? Springs in the is Valley is imprint? available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Springs in
1: the Valley, yeah. and of course, Streams in the Desert, which is, you can get leather bound, oh, everything. yeah, you could get that anytime. One maybe. of the things though about, um, about uh, I took most of my information from Charles Kalman, mm. um, Missionary Warrior, which isn't in print anymore, and The mm. Vision Lives, and then another book, that she had written her autobiography and I got it years ago. Hmm. And I don't know where it is, but it's somewhere in my house. <laughs> so, and so there are websites where you can find some of these old mm-hmm. classics. And so that's right. Definitely. In fact I found an archive online where you could uh, you can get a lot of books Ooh, that are out of like print. Like a PDF maybe or mm-hmm. okay and so I was doing that. You get fourteen days, it's like a library, it's fourteen days free rent Ooh. where you can read it. It's it's really excellent. Anyway, oh, so that was um, Mrs. Charles Cowman, who wrote "Streams in the Desert," compiled "Streams in the Desert." Just amazing. Mm -hmm. We think she's a woman you should know. Yes, but we're also aware that there are women in your life that you think we should know. Uh, Mm -hmm. I really can't wait till Jasmine does the story of her mother's life because I think everyone should know your mother.
2: Well, I think so too,
1: personally. (laughs) She's amazing. So if you have a woman too, right? If you have a woman (laughs) that you think we should know. Please write us and tell us and maybe send a little biography and at least we can give
2: a mention. Uh, yes, absolutely. People. And even biographies you've read, maybe that we haven't discussed yet. I know I've had a few people already writing in, but we're making a list. That's great. So anyway, this was Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Olna with saying, there's another woman you should
1: know. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to Women You Should Know with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. For more information on Cheryl, visit Broderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter or Facebook. If you have a woman we should know about, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WYSK at CCCM.com. Make sure you've subscribed to this podcast, available now on any streaming service. Thank you again for listening to Women You Should Know with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut.